Hello and welcome to another episode of Business and Bubble Tea. Here on the podcast today, we have with us Victoria Hu, the co-founder of Scholar Network. Victoria, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Business and Bubble Tea with us today. Thank you. Thank you, William. Thank you, Roberta, for the invitation. Really happy to be here with you. Welcome, Victoria. And let's start with Scholar Network. Can you tell us more about it and maybe a little bit more about your background as well? Sure, sure. Uh, so my name is Victoria Hu. I am Chinese-Russian. I was born and raised in Russia, grew up in Siberia, close uh, to the beautiful Lake Baikal, which is the deepest fresh freshwater lake in the world. And 11 years ago, I came to China to do my undergrad in Beijing Language and Culture University. Then I did my master's at Tsinghua University on uh, the School of Journalism and Communication. And today I'm leading this uh, community called Scholar Network, S-C-O-L-A-R. So it's, um, it's a community and organization for young leaders coming from the region of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization countries. And Shanghai Cooperation Organization, or the SCO, stands, uh, is uh, an intergovernmental international organization that was founded 22 years ago, 2001, by the presidents of six countries. And right now there are 21 countries. Uh, so what we do is we work with this region because uh, the SEO region has more than 1 billion youth in the age wow. yeah. 18 to 35. Yeah. So and that includes China, Russia, uh, Central Asia, Pakistan, India, Nepal, uh, Sri Lanka. And so it's going to a huge region of neighbors. Mm. This is how we normally um, address it. Amazing. Right. So, so would you say it was kind of like, I guess, a natural move for you to go to gravitate towards China um, uh, in that case? It, it, I think it was pretty natural <laughs> since I'm Chinese. So yeah. I, I studied Chinese um, since Chinese is my mother tongue. But mm -hmm. as we all know, it's pretty hard to learn the characters, the, the reading and writing part. So I studied it with my sister but since seven years old, pretty much yeah. for two yeah, hours yeah. a day. So oh, and that yeah. was a natural move to kind of, OK, now as we're graduating from high school, it's time to go to China to actually understand how, how it works and how, how China is and to learn more about the, the origin. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So, yeah. And coming from Russia to China, did you find, uh, like, let's say, a, a strong um, international community here in China? How was your um, your experience here at the beginning? So, yes, the community in China is super international, uh, especially in Beijing. Uh, there are a lot of uh, youth organizations. Uh, I'm also part of the World Economic Forum's uh, Global Shapers Community, which is the initiative of WEF or by WEF to create um, a community of young leaders uh, to, imp for, to do local impact. And there are 500 hubs, just came back from Davos um, Summit, Summer Davos Summit in Tianjin, mm. and we have oh, yeah. 50 students coming together. So it's, it's pretty, pretty um, diverse, I would say, especially before the pandemic, the, the community is diverse, international and big, but also it's a small circle. So I feel that on one side, you have this uh, expert community that is supporting each other and uh, people are coming together from all the different backgrounds, not just students, but also entrepreneurs, academics, and everybody's mm. interested in China and the culture of uh, what China has to do next. It's also Some amazing. fresh news <laughs> from the summit that you can tell us. Yeah, um, I think, yes, because that summit brought together, so Summer Davos brought together 
1200 or 1300 people coming from all the different walk different walks of life but also um on a very high level and i think as a shaper community we were probably the youngest community there mm. and as someone who is the group of people in their uh early 30s or late 20s who are just starting their career or kind of going through the career path it was um engaging and interesting for us to learn more about different um sectors and also mm. learn directly from people coming from all these sectors like we had the uh, general director of the world trade organization to do a, a separate session with us for example and then you just learn a lot about leadership by looking yeah. at the leaders that are already on an international high level and then you understand that oh everybody is so you know passionate down to earth um, not Amazing. Vulnerability. Yeah. It was, it, so, it was so great. you've you've effectively with with Scholar Network, you've effect, effectively um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, <laughs> established a kind of um, collaborative network where you're trying to get thought leaders and opinions, um, you know, and almost providing a kind of cross cultural sort of knowledge of 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 of, of China that sort of thing. Um, what do you think it takes to run a community that's like so diverse in in that respect? <laughs> Um, first of all, well, I think there are a few things. Uh, number one, attitude is extremely important and attitude to learn and to constantly, um, the curiosity, the attitude of yeah. curiosity is the most because, uh, it's easy to be, um, it's easy to live in the bubble where you think, you know, you know, about China, you know, about Russia, you know, about mm -hmm. a few countries. And then you, you, you think that it's kind of enough. But then there's so much more to learn and everybody has a different perspective. So that would be number one. And then number two, uh, the attitude of uh, being open to new ideas and thoughts, solutions that are different from my own perspective. Yeah. And I think when it comes to the international community, especially like scholar is, um, we have hubs in 13 cities of nine countries right now. And the third one is trust which is probably the most important one. We trust people who are there uh, to represent our community, to represent the values that we share and to lead the projects that they really care about. So trusting others to continue on the mission is extremely uh, crucial if, uh, if you want to grow the community and make it bigger. These are good lessons for us as well. And no. I'm really curious, what does it take to be a successful uh, young entrepreneur or to be successful um, in China? What do you think is the key for business in China? Like since the beginning of our career, what are the key factors? I think I'm still in the process of learning uh, that path. Uh, and, and that is definitely learning by doing. Um, but I think in China in particular, it's uh, important to be able to adjust quickly because technology, everything is changing super fast. At the summer, that was the topic of AI and tech was one of the biggest one, right? So, so the ability to understand where the trends are or where the trends are going yeah. is important. And then number two is, um, there's a term called uh, Neijue in China. Neijue. okay. <laughs> <So we're laughs> <driving yourself laughs> because if you live in a big city, 
it's easy to be so involved and engaged inside on your day-to-day -day tasks and just work every day, right? Uh, 996, right? <laughs> or mm -hmm. nine, yeah, Jojo jo Leo, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when we do that, it's, it, it's, and I feel that myself, if yeah. I am too engaged into or too involved into the day-to-day -day routine, then sometimes I forget about a bigger picture. And it's important yeah. to always remember what is the goal? What is the bigger picture? Where are we going? What is the purpose? And then uh, the third one would be in constantly um, in, in the attitude again of not being afraid to fail, learn from it, pivot, or just do something else because um, well, because everybody has such a big pressure of uh, wanting to be successful before yeah. 30 or in their early 30s, but it doesn't have to happen right now. And everything that we do is a part of the process of our personal growth. And you, you touched on something interesting there, which was um, almost having perspective on the bigger picture and where you're going. So oh. I wanted to ask with respect to Scholar Network, what was the mission, I guess, in the initial conception of, of, of this sort of um, idea in a way, and has that mission changed, grown, or, or what's, um, has it been adapted? Mm, interesting question. So originally uh, we started Scholar Network when I was uh, still a student. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we started it with Olim, uh, whom I call Olim Aka. Aka means uh, elder, elder brother in, uh, in Persian. So he's from uh, Tajikistan. Mm. Um, and originally, Originally, for me personally, the incentive was to get people that I cared about together because I was leading Russian Student Association back then and we knew everybody mm. pretty much from Central Asia yeah. uh, because we speak the same language. And it was important for me to um, do something with the friends. But mm. then when it grew into something bigger into the region and then we had Pakistan and India joining as CEO, so we, we had the switch between from Russian language to, um, to, to English. Uh, so everybody will be able to communicate and later on it grew into something even bigger. So for me, I would say, um, right now, the mission of scholar is to bring, is to cultivate talents and bring together, uh, young people that really care about changing their community. And it doesn't have to be global. It doesn't have to be international it could be simply starting with your own local community but one step at a time and then if i may add my personal motivation is uh, very much into the education and opportunities that i had mm. because i was able to study abroad and i feel elite because of yeah. that the ability to, to <laughs> the ability to choose where you want to study and where you want to live and what do you want to do is a privilege and I feel the responsibility of sharing that as much as um, as I can with my work with other people. When did, um, did this start? Like, why did you decide to to start Scholar Network? Uh, where when did you find this uh, this um, need to help other um, young people to achieve their, mm -hmm. their dreams and their objectives? Yeah, I read somewhere that uh, passion is always connected to your personal experience. And for me, uh, because I'm coming from the family of immigrants in the third generation, my grandparents worked really hard. Um, I mean, in the mm. 1950s, uh, if uh, people would make the, the 
nobody wanted to live outside of their own country, right? And they immigrated from China to yeah. uh, Soviet Union. And my dad was born in Soviet Union. And mm. uh, they worked really hard for yeah. for their kids, for my parents to have education. So I feel that for me, my parents worked even harder for their children, so for us and for, for, for me and my sisters, to be able to study abroad. So they invested a lot, in, a lot into Chinese. And yeah. then we went to Tsinghua. My sister went to Peking University. So I think nice. it was a big Good choice. <laughs> Well, we were, you know. We are, no. I am biased. <laughs> no, but, but I feel that this is, it comes definitely from hard work and consistent work over a mm. long period of time, over decades, but also from the um, place where I feel that people who have the opportunity to get higher education will, will can definitely change their lives. And if, but I'm not an institution, so there, there in Uzbekistan, for example, uh, only 10% of all the high school graduates could actually go into the university. Others will go to colleges or uh, start their work directly. And I feel that if we can, if not give the knowledge, but the soft skills part for mm. people to be able to navigate better um, in their future careers, then they will have probably um more choices and mm. the ability to tell them that hey it's not that you have to go only through one pass but just sharing them with them that there are other choices as well is um is what i see as our mission and the ability to in the long run to create uh to create it and not only on based on volunteers uh kind of hops organized work youth self-organized work yep but also on the actual funding of their education is something that I want to do long-term. And it's something where kind of scholars slowly, but surely mm. adding. <laughs> and and what, what do you see is, I guess, so you have a, a, a lot of, a lot of people attend your, 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 your um, a part of your network and programs, that sort of thing. What do you see as a kind of common theme that is sort of indicative maybe of potential for success? And that, and that, and you, and you mentioned that you don't necessarily have to go on to higher education, for example, and there are other paths. What do you think is one of those um, markers for success, at least in the in the context of of, of China, I guess, cross border kind of um, knowledge sharing, this sorts of thing? I think China is um, is an interesting. China has a lot of interesting case studies, mm. specifically for young people. Yeah. Uh, specifically for those who are not in the universities um, i remember and that the mainstream is in live streaming and everything that has to do with social media and right now we see that there are quite a lot of people who are in their early 20s and they're mm. earning by live streaming by becoming influencers by uh selling uh doing e-commerce yeah. and i remember that there's um once once i was at the session and there was um I forgot his name, but he, he is super famous. He's from Xinjiang. Uh, so he introduces Xinjiang products and restaurants um, by broadcasting it online. His entire team are all early 20s um, students. Not, they're not students. They're high school graduates. They didn't go to the university, um, but they work extremely hard. And he said that it's important for him to be open for to, to their team members to see what these youngsters have to say, 
because they have different solutions and they have a different perspective. And I feel that if because of the social media and because of the um, because of this online opportunities, young people can ask, you know, they can hustle in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be China context specifically. And about cross border? Cross border, yes. So, so for, mm, yeah, so for cross border, I would say what we are specifically doing right now with Scholar is educating young people about their neighbors the, because mm. the countries that we work with are all mostly our neighbors of China. And I feel that um, if people really want to be globally competent, they have to know their neighbors, they have to know yeah. the country. Yeah. So uh, for the cross border, there are trade opportunities for sure, um, but we're also tapping into more um, more projects or more areas, and this is uh, one of the functions uh, or missions of our hubs and the reason why we have this a student or young professional network, so people can work together by um, cooperating, and then in the future the long term goal is okay if we start a cross hub project. It could be a volunteering project, but can it potentially grow into some into a startup that will have um, that will have a Kazakh and Chinese, for example, starting something together? That would be the goal, right? The, the, this is what we really want to see. So, yeah, when when you work with other countries, then it's important to it always comes back to trust and to knowing somebody there on the ground. So if through Scholar or Global Shapers or other networks, you got to know about other people, you, you got to learn uh, about other countries, but you also knew, you also met new people. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that it's all about really people. Comes to, it's always about people and always about connection. And um, I guess as being part of this network, you must interact with um, businesses um, and government. Yeah. What would you say it's, I guess, are some of the differences when you're collaborating with um, government versus uh, business, for example? Um, yeah. So when it comes to the government, the agenda is more specific. Yeah. And obviously, right? I mean, of course, yeah. the government yeah, has, yeah. <laughs> it's, more, it's more based on the bigger picture. And mm. when we work with China's government, uh, we talk a lot about the Belt and Road Initiative and the countries mm. that are part of it. We uh, talk about SEO also from kind of what China is, because China is investing quite a lot into into this organization. So, what are some of the some of the priorities? I would say mm. for uh, for the partners that we are working with, and uh, it's um, but it's a lot about culture because we work with young people, and that's the reason why we we are working with youth. Because when it comes to youth, then there's no, the political agenda is um, becoming less important and yeah. the uh, values that young people share between each other is much more important. So, and, and that's why we work on cross-cultural and global competence on skills building, and we don't touch the political part. Um, but, and when it comes to the businesses, um, I think one of the biggest differences is again in the culture and mentality and mm, from what i've seen right now the biggest uh, gap that exists is in cultivating young talents or future business leaders 
who are able to understand the mentality and the culture of both countries or even of many multiple countries and this is what someone so the um the head of the it's, the world yeah it's it sounds like a kind of cultural adapter almost that you're talking about it is because yeah. because in china um from from what i've seen when when it comes to the business um it people people's aspect always comes first if i don't like you as a person i'm not going to work with you <laughs> so the ability to connect on a personal yeah. level is so important and that's why there are all these business trips right otherwise we'll be just doing phone yeah. calls and zoom and other tense exactly. calls i i have so we have time for for one final question and on that note what do you think is the i guess the biggest cultural barrier that we need to overcome in order to uh, you know ensure we have good flow of business this sort of thing i would say the biggest one is in um in the mindset of being open to other cultures and to 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 something that is not exactly the same mm. as your cultural mentality that would be probably the biggest one amazing um that's that's that's, that's cool. so interesting i guess in the way that the one who I charge you or whatever the uh <laughs> this kind of thing um that's that's amazing thank you so much it's been so so interesting having you on this is a lovely thank you thank you for having me <laughs> thank you Victor.